Hello, sweethearts. Thanks for joining me today on Love Letters 2, the daily podcast dedicated to wonderful and unexpected things. In today's episode, continuing through our month of famous firsts, it is a love letter to the White House wedding firsts. The most prestigious wedding venue in the United States, the White House has seen its fair share of weddings. Whether it be the daughter, son, niece, or friend of the president, or once even the president himself, a White House wedding is a momentous event for the bride and groom, but also for the country. There have been some notable firsts when it comes to White House weddings, and today we celebrate those first times. I'm Elise Schmintz, and I invite you to join me today for this love letter to White House wedding firsts, coming to you right after a brief word from our sponsors. Dear White House Wedding Firsts, The White House has been the venue for many lavish affairs over the years. For some fortunate lovebirds, it has even been the location of their wedding. Many of us are familiar with images of President Richard Nixon escorting his daughter down the aisle at her White House wedding in 1971, but there have been many other weddings held there, including daughters, family members, and even a president. The first White House wedding took place on March 29, 1812. The bride was Lucy Payne Washington, the sister of Dolly Payne Madison. The groom was Supreme Court Justice Thomas Todd. Lucy had previously been married to George Steptoe Washington, who was the nephew of President George Washington. Sixteen years into their marriage, George Steptoe died of tuberculosis. Lucy's parents, John and Mary Payne, were strict Quakers, referred to as the Society of Friends. Lucy was good-natured, fun-loving, and apparently liked to use slang, which was quite a difference from her austere parents. When she was around 15, Lucy met law student George Steptoe Washington, a nephew of George Washington. The two fell in love and eloped in 1793. When he brought her home to Harewood, his Virginia plantation, The Payne family was scandalized and refused to have anything to do with Lucy because she had married outside of the Quaker religion. They would later reconcile, however. Ironically, Lucy and George would host the wedding of Lucy's sister Dolly to James Madison in 1794 in the parlor of their home. Dolly had previously been married to John Todd in 1790, who died three years after due to yellow fever. Dolly married Madison a year after her first husband's death. James and Dolly would return the favor to Lucy when they hosted her wedding, the very first White House wedding. The groom was Thomas Todd, who had been nominated to the U.S. Supreme Court by President Thomas Jefferson. Like his future bride, he was a widower. There's not a lot of documentation about this event, but it does seem that it was somewhat spontaneous. The evidence of this is a letter Dolly Madison wrote to her father. In the letter, she described the upcoming wedding as unexpected and causing distress to the household. In the same letter, Dolly described Thomas Todd as very rich and very handsome, most likely held in the blue room, and as the custom dictated at the time, you were likely a small affair. 
There are a few things about you that we do know, though. The bride had three bridesmaids, including the first lady and her sister Dolly. The groom had three groomsmen, and a Reverend McCormick was the officiant. And that's the story of the first-ever White House wedding. But there have been many weddings that followed it. The oddest couple to get married at the White House was when the first president to get married while serving in office held his wedding there on June 2nd, 1886. The groom was 49-year-old President Grover Cleveland, and the bride was 21-year-old Frances Folsom. Frances was the first woman to marry a sitting president and the youngest first lady in history. The age gap was not the only significant thing about this couple. Their courtship had not been conventional, to say the least. In fact, Francis started life off calling Grover Cleveland Uncle Cleve. See, Grover Cleveland's law partner, Oscar Folsom, was Francis's father. Grover doted on the baby and even bought her first baby buggy. Sadly, Francis's father, Oscar, died when she was only 12, leaving Cleveland as the administrator of his estate which essentially left him the guardian of Francis. Over the years, Cleveland built his political career while remaining close to Francis and her mother, Emma. He ensured that she had the best of everything, including an education at Wells College, where he frequently sent her flowers. It is reported that he once told someone that he remained single because I am waiting for my wife to grow up. When he was first elected president, there was no first lady to assume the role, so Cleveland's sister Rose filled in, even though she despised being a hostess and organizing social functions. Not long after taking office, Grover Cleveland invited Francis and Emma to visit him at the White House. The rumors around town were actually that the president was courting Emma Folsom, who was only three years younger than Grover himself. The city was abuzz, though, when it was reported that it was not Emma, but a 21-year-old Francis that the 48-year-old president proposed to. As you may expect, the first wedding of a president in office on June 2, 1886, to a 21-year-old beauty caused quite a sensation and was heavily covered by the media. Francis proved to be a dynamic and popular first lady. She was a talented musician Intelligent, knowledgeable, and well-read, she spoke several languages and was comfortable in all social settings. Frances was a celebrity in her time. The press loved her, and her fashion was imitated by anyone who could afford to. She did a great deal for charities, serving the poor, and promoting women's education. In fact, she was so popular that Grover Cleveland's political opponents hated her because of the influence she had and the public's fascination with her. Grover Cleveland lost the election in 1888, but after a four-year hiatus, the Clevelands returned to the White House when he was re-elected in 1892, making him the first and only U.S. president to have two non-consecutive terms. The Clevelands had five children, four of whom were born during their White House years. This added to the public fascination and adoration of Frances. Being 27 years younger than her husband, it is not surprising that she was widowed at a young age. A few years after Grover Cleveland's death, Frances remarried, making her the first widow of an American president to do so. 
President James Monroe's daughter Maria was the first presidential child to have a wedding in the White House. It took place on March 9, 1820. The groom was a White House staff member, Samuel Governor, who also happened to be Maria's first cousin. Next up, let's talk about the first White House wedding of a presidential son. John Adams II was the second son of President John Quincy Adams. He was married in the White House on February 25, 1828. Just like young Maria Monroe, John Adams II also married his first cousin, a young woman named Mary Catherine Helen. This wedding caused quite a family feud because John's brothers, George and Charles, also wanted to marry their cousin, Mary Catherine. When Mary Catherine chose John, both older brothers refused to attend the White House wedding. Let's talk about the most lavish White House wedding, which involved another unusual first. A woman who achieved many firsts in her time was also married at the White House. Alice Roosevelt, the eldest daughter of President Theodore Roosevelt, had what historians call the most lavish White House nuptials of all. When on February 17, 1906, Alice wed Republican congressman and Washington playboy Nicholas Longworth, a thousand guests attended, and thousands more crowded outside, hoping to see the famous and glamorous couple. Alice Roosevelt was a popular and scandalous character, making headlines all over the world for her outrageous behavior. She broke social norms of the time, doing things like wearing pants in public, placing bets with bookies, racing cars down Washington, D.C. streets, and going places alone with boys. When her father forbade her from smoking under his roof, she climbed up on the White House roof and enjoyed her cigarettes there. Alice also had a pet snake named Emily Spinach that she took everywhere with her. It should come as no surprise then that Alice broke with wedding traditions when she became the first bride to cut her wedding cake with a military sword instead of a knife. In Alice fashion, she set a trend, and this has become somewhat of a tradition for all White House weddings that have followed. Just a couple more, aren't these delightful? The very first White House wedding to be held in the Rose Garden. This would be the wedding of Tricia Nixon, the daughter of President Richard Nixon, which became the first White House wedding to take place outside when she married Edward Finch Cox in 1971. Tricia Nixon took her vows under a beautiful gazebo in the Rose Garden. This was highly publicized and covered by the media. She was featured on the cover of many magazines, including being the cover story on Time magazine twice. So what's our first White House wedding to a non-family member? The first of only two people not part of a presidential family to be given the honor of marrying at the White House happened in 1942. President Franklin D. Roosevelt was host to one of his closest advisors, Harry Hopkins' wedding, to newspaper woman Louise Gill Macy. The nuptials were held on the second floor oval room, which FDR used as the president's private study. Needless to say, there are many more fascinating White House wedding stories, but these are some of the most notable firsts in the White House wedding history. Here's to you, White House wedding firsts. From presidents to presidential children to extended family members, 
You have been an object of our curiosity and interest since the very first White House wedding in 1812. Whether large and elaborate or private and intimate, you have always captivated us and will continue to do so whenever the White House plays host to a wedding. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Love Letters 2. Until we meet again, darlings, stay in love. Thanks for listening to Love Letters 2, a Hemlock Creatives production. Feel like showing some love to Love Letters 2? We'd love it if you tell a friend or leave us a kind review or even come and visit us on social media. You can find us at Instagram or Facebook at Love Letters 2 Podcast. You can also reach out and email us at loveletters2podcast at gmail.com or visit our website at loveletters2podcast.com. Until we meet again in the next episode, darlings, stay in love.